Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 10th day of the second month of 2023. This is episode... What episode is this? I think it's 670 of Bitcoin and... I might actually be going to a Lovejoy concert. For those of you who know, or for those of you who don't know, rather. Um, yeah, apparently Lovejoy is a thing. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to try to get tickets today for my daughter because it's my daughter that wants to go see Lovejoy, not me. I don't even know if I've even heard a Lovejoy song, but she's all about it. So I'm going to try my level best to get tickets because apparently the scam master, or I'm, I'm sorry, ticket master, uh, there's general issues trying to get tickets to, well, anything, honestly. And this shit... This Ticketmaster thing has been going on for years, right? I mean, decades at this point. Um, when Ticketmaster first came on the scene, the question for many of us that were, you know, trying to buy tickets to shows that we wanted to go see was, well, how come I can't buy 12 tickets and stand outside, you know, in front of the venue and sell them and not get in trouble and get ticketed or possibly jailed for scalping? Because scalping is illegal. It's illegal. But Ticketmaster, no, no, no. They can buy 80% or I don't even know. I don't even know if there's a cap on percentage as to what Ticketmaster and these other parasites can do. Uh, Or, you know, I I think, I don't even know if they can get 100% of the tickets. So Rihanna or whatever goes on tour and Ticketmaster buys all the tickets. And then they jack the price up uh, and sell it to the general public. That's called scalping. Now, how that shit's not illegal, how they can do it and and your everyday private citizen can't do it, well, therein lies a picture-perfect poster child for the dichotomy that we exist in, right? It's bullshit. I'm going to have to go to this website. I'm going to have to get into a waiting room And then if I'm lucky and I guess I win a lottery or something like that, I've never, I haven't bought tickets to a concert in so long. It's not even funny. Um, But so I don't know how it works today. Last tickets that I bought were for Rush at the Smirnoff Arena in Dallas. And that was sometime around, I don't know, 2005 or something like that. I mean, this has been a while, dude. But um, so I don't know. It's like my wife has tried twice. And there's just by the, she gets into the waiting room. She like says, I want two tickets. And then it's like, there's no tickets left. And she's like, it's been exactly 45 seconds since tickets went on sale. It's a scam. 
But because I love my daughter, I'm going to do this and see if maybe I can get lucky because if I can get her tickets, she's going to be a very happy girl. And that's honestly, that's all I give a shit about. Will I go to the Lovejoy concert and enjoy myself? Yes, I will. Why? For her. Only for her. I don't give a shit about Lovejoy, but here's here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of that I will get tickets. Me and my daughter will go to the concert and I'll end up actually liking Lovejoy. I don't know. Uh, if you got any comments on Lovejoy and the scam that is Ticketmaster, do a boostagram and I'll read it in the next show. Now, for this show's boostagrams, I got Van Man Jr. with a huge 20,000 sat boostagram says, Dad joke. Ooh, ooh, hold on, hold on. Uh, this may not work. Hold on. What do you call Batman and Robin after getting run over by a steamroller? Flatman and Ribbon. No, it didn't work. See, this is the thing that I don't like about my setup and using, um, oh, what am I using? Fruit Loops uh, Studio or FL Studio because it's like every time I pause a recording or something like that, my soundboard goes down. So let's do it again. What do you call Batman and Robin after getting run over by a steamroller? Flat man and ribbon. There's your dad joke. Had to do all that because 20,000 sats, in my opinion, is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Fatoshi with 10,101 sats. 10101. AI coins are pumping, uh, bruh. I'm sleeping like a baby in the poorhouse. <laughs> Acerus underscore BTC sends 2,718 sat says this space left blank intentionally. Just kidding. Regarding staking and taxes. If staking avoids taxes based on the quote constructed good idea, then Bitcoin's proof of work mining should be covered by the same concept, which is one reason the argument will fail. And then Fatoshi comes back uh, with a reply to Acerus and says, cool story, bruh. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I think that that could actually be argued either way. And depending on who has the better argument, is probably going to win that argument. It depends on where that argument occurs. Does it occur at the FTC? Does it occur at... Uh, Federal Trade, uh, yeah, the Federal Trade Commission. What else? Oh, commodities and exchange. Uh, does it occur at the SEC? Who's going to argue it? You know, I don't I, Like I said, man, I think it could go either way. I really do. Uh, Solo Balbo says with 1,000 Satoshis behind it, Pura Vida. Pura Vida, my friend. Pura Vida. Icecore87, 902 sat says, hey, brother. Uh, short-time user, fresh meat listener, <laughs> uh, seeing your podcast through a tad comment, and I really enjoy the value of your continuous effort. Loads of content for new ears and a wide range of topics from generated content that will keep you busy for hours. Keep up your tenacity as this stage isn't for entropy. Hmm. Uh, was it? T6M is getting bullish. Triple six momentum. Stay frosty. Yeah, I love Stay Frosty. That was one of my favorite sayings ever since I've discovered it in the movie Aliens. And I'm not being a, a dick about it. I, I literally say that. Stay Frosty. And my other favorite one is from Battlestar Galactica. Watch six. Uh, Nick underscore dose with 369 sat says, cheers. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. 
Uh, Fatoshi with another 101 Satoshis finishes us off. Yo! We join the EU to protect ourselves from you guys. True story, bruh. <laughs> okay. <coughs> He's and, and Fatoshi is absolutely 100% correct. I think it was a stupid move, but he is reminding me of something that has been in the news lately. Actually, well, not really lately, but I think maybe we go back four months, maybe six months ago. Um, we had some bond market issues going on over in the EU, UK, and, and things like that, where they were scathingly close to really bad shit happening across their entire financial network because of this issue with bonds. I can't really remember exactly what happened, but it put them in a very, very bad situation where bankers and guys in suits had to stay up all night again for a couple of nights straight to figure out how they weren't going to melt down global markets like 2008. And somehow or another, they were able to stitch it back together. That was caused because <clears throat> our guy over at the Federal Reserve, you know, our central bank, decided to start raising rates and kept raising rates and never fucking relented and never ever spoke a word dovishly about the future. He was al he's always been hawkish and he still is rather hawkish. And that caused the UK to kind of screw up. Now there's theories about what's going on here. And one of the theories is, is that uh, Jay Powell is purposely de has declared war on the EU through financial means, not shots fired, not bombs dropping, but a wholesale destruction of the financial infrastructure of Europe. Now, do I know this to be a fact? No, I do not. I, I don't. But it's not like Jay Powell doesn't know what effects will happen because the Federal Reserve basically rules the world. Everybody falls in line behind the Federal Reserve. Fatoshi may be absolutely correct that the EU was in fact formed to somehow or another safeguard their financial infrastructure against the United States and its Federal Reserve and the power that it holds. Jay almost destroyed the EU's economic situation. Somehow or another, they were able to stitch it together, but I guarantee you those cracks, cracks are going to continue to show. And that's not just going to be the EU. It's going to be Australia. It's going to be, it's going to be everybody. Let's, let's be very clear and not, let's not blow smoke up each other's ass. The Federal Reserve is the central bank of the world, even though sometimes we say it's the, Bank of International Settlements, or the BIS, headed up by Augustine Carstens. Kind of. But that balance of power is, I think, more on the... The, uh, the power is more on the side of the Federal Reserve. We dictate terms, which is why Russia and China are starting to cozy up to each other. And they're doing it now. If we believe what Fatoshi says, and I have no reason not to believe you know, this theory... Uh, then the EU got wise 40 years ago and started stitching these the European countries together under a financial umbrella. I don't know. But weird shit is happening. There's weird shit all over the place. There are black swans that are 
It's like a flock. It's not just like, oh, look, out there in the middle of the lake, there's a there's a black swan. No, fuck that, dude. I'm, thousands of black swans are descending upon this lake and they're all taking a dump in it. And the fish in the lake are going, oh, come on, man. Really? I live here, pal. And we're kind of the fish. Most of this is outside of our realm of control, but that's okay. Why? We got Bitcoin. And we got Bitcoin news. Let's start this one out. Now, this was is going to be, today's show is basically going to be out of order. And uh, it's got a theme. And the theme clearly is Gary Gensler, the SEC, Kraken situation, staking, that kind of thing. Let's see if we can get multiple viewpoints of what's going on. And we're going to start, Started out with Bitcoin Magazine, crypto exchange Kraken settles with the SEC over unregistered staking services, BTC Casey. Take us away. The Securities and Exchange Commission has charged Payward Ventures Incorporated and Payward Trading Limited, commonly known as Kraken, for failing to register the offer and sale of their crypto assets staking as a service program. The program allowed investors to transfer crypto assets to Kraken for staking in exchange for advertised annual investment returns. That's a security. <laughs> According to the SEC's complaint, Kraken has been offering and selling its staking services since 2019, pooling certain crypto assets transferred by investors and staking them on behalf of the investors. Staking involves locking up crypto tokens with a blockchain validator in exchange for a reward in new tokens. Kraken has agreed to immediately cease offering or selling securities through the staking services and pay a $30 million fine in disgorgement, prejudgment interest, and civil penalties. In addition, Payward Ventures and Payward Trading, without admitting or denying the allegations, have consented to the entry of a final judgment that would permanently enjoin them from violating the Securities Act of 1933. SEC Chair Gary Gensler commented, today's actions should make clear to the marketplace that staking as a service providers must register and provide full, fair, and truthful disclosure and investor protection. SEC Director of the Division of Enforcement, Gubir S. Grewal, added, quote, Today, we take another step in protecting retail investors by shutting down this unregistered crypto staking program, end quote. The SEC's complaint also alleges that Kraken claimed its staking investment program offered easy-to-use benefits and strategies to obtain regular investment returns, but provided investors with zero insight into its financial condition. Among other things, the investigation was conducted by Laura Dalyard and Elizabeth Goody under the supervision of Paul Kim, George G. Tenrio, and David Hirsch, with assistance from Sachin Verma, yeah, 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 and a whole bunch of names. So, and everybody lost their mind after this thing, right? Yesterday, yesterday on Noster was just, it was, it was either people crying about it um, or people just ecstatic about it, you know? Sorry, drinking a little bit of coffee. I'm trying to, I know, poison bean juice. I get it, I get it, I get it. I like, you know, a little, some coffee in the morning. I don't drink it all day long. Um, where do I fall on this? Well, 
you guys fucked up. You built a security. I'm sorry, but staking as a philosophy is a security. Not just, this isn't just Kraken. See, this is the thing is that now the floodgates are opened. We call it precedent. And we're going to see in the next few stories that that precedent is already being run across the border by all these agencies. You'll guarantee you'll see it. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So the people that are screaming yay are Bitcoiners that don't know any better. Now, hold on before you lose your ever-loving mind. I don't think staking is good for anybody because that is essentially the system that we already have in place, i.e. the legacy financial infrastructure across the world, the whole globe, right? I think it was really bad faith action on the part of Ethereum, Ethereum Foundation and Consensus and all the the people that have anything to do with Ethereum to basically leave their miners out in the wind to twist with all of their GPU mining equipment that they had paid for, they had put money into it because they believed. So they fucked those guys. And now the SEC is fucking Ethereum right back because guess what? Karma is a bitch and she is just as mean as Mother Nature, probably because they're sisters. I'm just saying. However, they're going to allow... I mean, because I haven't seen anything, I've seen no language, whatever, that leads me to believe that the SEC is not going to allow staking at all. In fact, in this particular piece, it says it again. We're protecting retail investors. That's you and me. That's the people that take their taxes to get done by H&R Block. Those are the, these are the people that go to Charles Schwab or, you know, whatever, you know, finance, you know, your, your Wells Fargo broker, right? That's retail. They haven't said shit about not allowing industry or institutional sized staking. And I said it yesterday too. Either everybody's allowed to stake, no matter how stupid it is, or nobody's allowed to stake, right? The dichotomy, they just split the future of, and I'm going to say it, cryptocurrency because shit coins are never going away. Learn to live with them. Don't buy them. I advise everybody I know to only buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin, but I'm not a fool either. That shit isn't going away anytime soon. So they just planted a wedge right in the middle of the industry. Retail plebs to the right and you can't do shit and industry and infrastructure or uh, institutional size shit to the left. You guys can do everything. This didn't help. And it didn't help from this standpoint, the standpoint that I just said, the wedge, the splitting of retail and institutional yet again. And that's why it's more important than ever to get out of altcoins. Stop staking, starve that beast before it can grow. Because if that thing grows, that's, it's just bad, okay? It's just, it, it's just bad. Nobody needs to be doing this shit. And in 21 minutes, I'm going to take a break <coughs> to see if I can get Lovejoy tickets. Just fair warning if you hear my uh, the, the, the phone alarm go off in the show and all of a sudden I'm cut off mid-sentence because I'm not 
I love you guys. You're not more important than my daughter. So if I end up just stopping mid sentence, understand that you're doing it for my daughter. <laughs> Braden Lindria. We're going to continue with how this is affected. This precedent that Gary Gensler laid down yesterday. How is it going to carry forward? And with what rapidity is it going to carry forward? We're finding out from Braden and Cointelegraph. Stablecoin issuer Paxos reportedly probed by New York regulators. Uh-huh. Paxos Trust Company, the New York-based stablecoin issuer behind Binance USD, or the BUSD coin, and the Paxos dollar, is reportedly being investigated by the New York Department of Financial Services. Why? Because they got a fucking precedent now. Quote, a person familiar with the matter told Bloomberg in a February 10th report that the exact motive behind the probe is currently unclear. An NYDFS spokesperson declined to comment on ongoing investigations, but noted that the department is broadly working to protect consumers from risks associated with investing in the cryptocurrency market. Quote, the department is in continuous contact with regulated entities to understand vulnerabilities and risks to consumers and the institutions themselves from crypto market volatility that we are experiencing in quote. Paxos has issued BUSD, a U.S. dollar collateralized stablecoin, since the firm struck a partnership with Binance back in September of 2019. It is the third largest stablecoin with a market cap currently exceeding $16 billion. It is also the creator of the Paxos dollar, which was launched in 2018. Today, it is the sixth largest stablecoin with a market cap of around Oh my God, $875 billion, according to CoinGecko, and is the founder of Pax Gold, a gold-backed Ethereum token. The company is also behind digital asset exchange ItBit, which it launched back in 2012 alongside the founding of Paxos. The NYDFS issued Paxos with a bit license in 2015, which legally permits companies to conduct digital currency-related activities in the state of New York. Paxos recently refuted rumors that the United States Office of the Comptroller of the Currency may order Paxos to withdraw its application for its full banking charter, despite the firm only receiving a preliminary approval in April of 2021. Paxos also claims on its website that its BUSD and USDP token reserves are backed wholly in U.S. dollars and U.S. treasuries. If reports of the investigation are true, it wouldn't be the first one initiated by the NYDFS over the last year. And then they talk about Terra Luna, Coinbase, and blah, 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 blah. And that's the end of the thing. But see, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that the floodgates have now been opened. Coinbase. That's why Brian Armstrong is, is, was hitting the ceiling the day before yesterday with what I understand is a 50-tweet thread. Dude, just get a substack, bro. I, in either event, everybody is at risk, except for who? Bitcoiners. Why? Because if you're smart, you own nothing but Bitcoin and you hold your own private keys to that Bitcoin. That's it. That, I mean, it's, that's, I sleep at night because of things like that. I simplified everything. I used to have bags of shit coins. I don't anymore, except for what gets airdropped on me. And I, I don't even know. I mean, you know, 
I've had wallets since 2015. I stopped listening to who got airdropped on after, you know, a few years. So there's possibly, I possibly have wallets that I've completely forgotten about that have thousands and thousands of bullshit, token, bullshit tokens inside of it. I would never know because I don't have those wallets anymore. I don't want them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. You know, it's just simplify your life and you'll be able to sleep because Ethereum people are not sleeping. First of all, here's the thing with staking in Ethereum. And let's just talk about nothing but Ethereum right now. <clears throat> if you got Ether and you staked it, the only way it's ever going to be unstakable is when the code that I guess has finally been written is released in the Shanghai upgrade to Ethereum. And that's supposed to be coming soon. I've heard rumors, again, take it with a grain of salt, that developers in the Ethereum ecosystem at the top level are begging the foundation, the Ethereum foundation, to delay the release of Shanghai. We presume that it's because there will be a wholesale outflow of Ethereum onto the open market to just get rid of it because it's garbage and people are starting to figure it out. But I don't know if that's actually what's why they're begging to stop it. From the history of how they've done these upgrades, I kind of think they're begging to stop it because they know it's going to crash the entire thing and they need another delay, just like they've always delayed on all of their upgrades, especially their great big upgrades, right? But right now you can't unstake your shit, which makes it kind of confusing that Jesse Powell and the people over at Kraken, you know, Jesse's not CEO anymore, but he's still intimately involved with that company because he, he started it, him and a couple of other guys. But, the, you know, Kraken said, well, we're, you know, okay, we're going to give you back your Ethereum. Well, they can't unstake it. Even Kraken can't unstake it because the code doesn't exist or is not live to be able to get the Ethereum out of the validators. Even if you are your own, Kraken is a validator, but they don't have the code installed in their validating nodes to be able to unstake the ether. So why did they say that they're gonna give it back before this Shanghai upgrade, if it goes live, has gone live? I don't know, see, this is really confusing. And it's gonna be a mess. No, I mean, nobody knows. And maybe that's why a bunch of, you know, idiots are putting monkey JPEGs on Bitcoin blockchain with with inscriptions that, and ordinals or what, however that shit works, which is jamming up the mempool space. Last I saw, we were at 64 blocks waiting. I still, I told you about it yesterday. I still have an incoming lightning channel that is 8 million Satoshis in size and it's just, it, it can't get confirmed. I, have, I don't know who's sending it to me, but I can't, if, if you're listening to me and you've sent me this $8 million channel, or $8 million, $8 million Satoshi channel, I can't, I can't do anything for you right now. It's stuck. If, and I don't know if you can either. I've never had a channel, you know, like a, a, an opening of a channel stick like this. So I don't know if I can even pull it back or claw it back. I don't think it's possible. I think it actually has to be rejected from the mempool first. But understand that I, had, I can't do anything for you. And you got 8 million Satoshis that's just doing nothing. 
And I apologize for that. But again, I, I can't do anything about it. So let's move on to this one. SEC chair issues warning to crypto firms after the action on Kraken staking Turner Wright Cointelegraph. U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler issued a warning to crypto companies to come in and follow the law after the agency announced a settlement with crypto exchange Kraken. Appearing on CNBC Squawk Box on February the 10th, Gensler said crypto exchanges should register with the SEC in order to be compliant with regulations in the United States, claiming that many within the industry were choosing not to do so. According to the SEC chair, the business models of many crypto projects were rife with conflict, claiming they needed to disentangle bundled products. Quote, if this field has any chance of survival and success, it's time-tested rules and laws to protect the investing public, said Gensler. Don't give, no, sorry, don't have your hands in the customer's pocket using their funds for your own platform. Gensler's statement followed the SEC announcing it had reached a settlement with Kraken in exchange to agree to shut down its staking services and programs for U.S. customers as well. So yeah, we know that, no in $30 million. Kraken said it would continue to offer staking services for non-U.S. users through a separate subsidiary. Many have criticized the SEC settlement as regulators taking action against firms that need to navigate a regulatory space without clear guidelines. SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce called the SEC's actions lazy and paternalistic, saying the staking program had served people well. No, 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 and no, Hester. There's a reason, and, and yes, I know, I just got off of a rant of, you know, in institutional versus retail. I get it. But why was the Howie test even, you know, why, why did it even get put up? Because Howie was scamming people. I mean, look, some people that walk around, whether they wear a suit and tie, whether they're a government employee or not, some of these people are still good people. There are, there's dozens of us that really don't want to screw anybody else. Really want to be able to, to end this roller coaster ride of a life and be able to look at whatever the beyond offers and say, I tried to do the good thing. I tried to do the right thing. I remained poorer than I could have been because I refused to fuck somebody else out of their money. We exist. There's people walking around that have that attitude. And some of them, some of them, some of them work in government settings. Now, back in 33 or whenever it was that Howie was trying to sell, you know, citrus trees to, you know, retirees in Florida. I can't remember exactly when this was. That's what set off this definition of what is a security. That shit went to the highest courts because people, that was the question. It's like, well, you define, how do you, how are you defining a security? You know, it's like, who gets to make those rules? And that's one of the reasons why back in the day we had court systems that weren't woke, right? But be that as it may. The Howey test was essentially ba basically saying, look, are you offering a product or a service or are you offering a service? Right? Are you offering a yield on that service? Uh, in other words, say, if you give me your money, I'll give you more back at some date in the future. Okay, that's two, essentially two of the three pillars of the Howey test. It's the third one 
that really makes the difference are the actions that provide the yield provided by a third party. If the answer is yes, then you've satisfied all three pillars of the Howey test and you are indeed a security. Howey was ripping people off. He was saying that you're going to be able to buy a row of citrus trees and that they're going to put a plaque there and it's going to be your row and whatever, you know, the, the orange harvest of that year was from that row, you get to share in the profits. But you weren't the one that went out and harvested the oranges. It was Howie and his company that were going to go or, you know, do the, the harvesting and the selling on the open market of citrus. You know, and people were not getting paid. He, he was essentially, he did that because he would, his citrus farm was dying. It was going, it was going to go under and he used this as an infusion of cash so that he didn't have to go bankrupt. He died before he was convicted. <laughs> okay. That's why the Howie test exists. That's what staking is the, you, you, when you allow yourself to look like you can be regulated you will be regulated. My only advice here that I can possibly give is that you buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin, and you buy more Bitcoin. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We got West Texas intermediate up 1.69% to $79.38. Brent North Sea up 1.74% to $85.98. Natural gas ticking up four and a half points to $2.54 per thousand. Gasoline is up 2.14% to $2.50. All of your shiny metal rocks are doing poorly. Gold down a quarter of a point to $1,874.20. Silver down a third of a point. Platinum down 1.28%. Copper is down a full two points. Palladium is down, what? Holy shit, 5.5% to the downside. Holy smokes. Uh, ag, ag is mostly up. Biggest winner, uh, wheat, 2.97% to the upside. Uh, we've got, what's down? Uh, cotton is down a half a point. Everything else is just kind of hovering up about a, you know, almost a full point. We've got the Dow up <clears throat> one fifth of a point. However, all the rest, S&P 0.21 to the downside, NASDAQ 1.2% to the downside, and S&P mini quarter to the downside. Real money having some struggles today, $21,598.91. We've had oh, 303,000 BTC sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. Nope, that's the number of transactions. 400,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. Sorry, guys. Uh, we've got 1.29 BTC is the average transaction value. 0.011 BTC is the median transaction value. That's 230 bucks. Block times are nailed right at 10 minutes, zero seconds. We've had 0.15 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 22.21 taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. Booyah, 5.75% hash rate rise. We are now back above 300. We're at 311.34 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is doge, ticked up 
to 8.1 United States pennies. That shows you what the rest of the shit coins are doing. We've got 30, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 36,303 transactions waiting on 67 blocks to clear. Pausing to let you know that generally speaking, nodes, the Bitcoin full nodes, unless you readjust the memory that is allocated for the mempool of that node uh, is set at 300 megabytes. And it looks like that we kind of hit that. So for those nodes that have not been reset to a higher memory allocation for the mempool, then it has it is starting to drain transactions that have not been confirmed into or rolled into a block, they're starting to drain away. People are like finding out that their transactions never went through. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to block size. This is exactly the same shit that ticked off the block size wars from the end of 2015 through 2017 that resulting in the Bcash fork and then that forked into Craig Wright's project BSV. I don't want to see that shit happen again. Will it happen again? I don't know. It's weird because fees in and of themselves aren't actually all that high. They'll get there, I promise, they'll get there. But for, you know, the sustained shit that we've got, you know, been going through in the last, you know, few days since this inscription madness started, I'm actually surprised that we're not seeing really, really hefty uh, transaction fees. I'm, I'm surprised. I literally caught me off guard. But we're here, 67 blocks out. And this guy's 8 million Satoshi transaction to open a channel to my lightning node is part of that. And I don't know when it's going to get kicked out. Now, some people have set their nodes to 500, uh, you know, was it megabytes? Is it 500 megabytes? 500? I can't remember what the size is. But they've set it to 500. So those nodes will be able to not kick out transactions until it hits its limit. This is, why is this good for Bitcoin? It stress tests, it stress tests the system. And that stress may result in finding out who it is that we don't want to be in Bitcoin because they go off to fork Bitcoin. Again, not a fan of ordinals and inscriptions. I'm just not. But if it was going to be done, it's good that we know about it now rather than later. So we have to cling, not cling. We, have, we do have to look at the good instead of getting all woeful and sad and all that kind of shit because that is what causes the really bad problems like Roger Ver deciding to go do BCH and then he gives basically gives birth to Craig Wright. I mean, even though Craig Wright had been around and causing problems before that, it was really the, the issue that Roger Ver embraced him and Calvin Ayer and um, started the whole goddamn thing. And <clears throat> he embraced Calvin Ayer <clears throat> excuse me, and Craig Wright into, and, and all three of them launched BCH. And within four months, I think it was only four months later, maybe six months, I'll give them that, that Calvin Ayer and Craig Wright got in a fight with Roger Ver and then split 
BCH down the middle and forked its son of a bitch into BSV. And again, I don't want to see that happen. But moving on, we have a $417.8 billion market cap, which is a mere 3.4% of gold's market cap. And we now may only purchase 11.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,286,733.76 of 5,360.77 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $116.1 million, uh, running over 16,104 nodes, sporting 76,395 payment channels that we can see, and 68.6% .6 of all of that is being run over Tor. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna go try and buy Lovejoy tickets for my daughter. Welcome back to the news that you can use. And the news is, I failed miserably. I was unable to procure tickets to the Lovejoy concert in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, it's going to be a bummer for my daughter. She's tried, this is the third time to try to get tickets to one of their concerts for her. And third time is fail. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. Life is, you know, disappointment is part of life. You know, we're, we've all been disappointed with the actions of certain individuals. Uh, why should my daughter be any different? I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Makes me really sad, but there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. However, there are members in the crypto community that do something about their situation. And one is that a board member of crypto-friendly Silvergate Bank leaves for Polygon. Andre Bagansky has it for Decrypt.co. A member of Silvergate's board of directors resigned Thursday. The crypto-friendly bank disclosed in a recent filing with the SEC. Rebecca Reddig, who initially joined Silvergate's board in March of last year, notified the company that she would be resigning yesterday. A graduate of Columbia Law School, she previously served as general counsel at Ave Companies, the group behind the decentralized finance platform Ave. Silvergate stated in the filing that Reddig has decided to leave the company because she, quote, has accepted an executive position at another company and will focus on her new commitments, adding it was not the result of any dispute or disagreement. Pausing to ask, why the hell would you say that? Why? What? Okay, so there is a dispute or some kind of disagreement going on because otherwise you don't say that, you know. And honestly, we're generally speaking, if a where there's rumors, there's smoke. Where there's smoke, there's probably fire. Even if the rumor itself is completely twisted and and devoid and bereft of all actual truth, something's going on. Reddick tweeted Thursday that she'd be moving on to Polygon Labs to serve as the company's first chief policy officer, Silvergate, nor Reddick responded immediately to a request for comment. Quote, I did some soul searching about the industry and how to build a future I believe in. I kept coming back to the same idea. The most important thing right now is getting crypto policy right, she wrote. Silvergate has recently come under scrutiny from the Department of Justice. 
which is looking into the Lajola Bank or based banks handling of bank accounts tied to bankruptcy or bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX and Alameda Research, the trading firm owned owned by the exchange's former CEO, Sam. When Bankman Fried's crypto empire crumbled and sparked an industry industry wide bout of contagion last November, Silvergate's crypto related deposits were rocked. The bank disclosed that it had seen its crypto deposits fall $8.1 billion worth in the last fiscal quarter of last year. At the same time, Silvergate said it drew a $4.3 billion loan from the Federal Home Loan Bank to weather the torrent of withdrawals, in addition to selling roughly $5.2 billion in debt securities. God, it just never ends. None of these people understand anything. It's just like so boiled in in the stock that is the legacy financial system that they are flavored to the core with bullshit. U.S. lawmakers, including Elizabeth Warren and John Kennedy, have criticized the bank for introducing a crypto market risk into the traditional banking system, pressing Silvergate CEO Alan Lane in a letter, quote, Congress and the public need and deserve the information necessary to understand Silvergate's role in FTX's fraudulent collapse. Wait, how is a collapse fraudulent? We we collapsed. No, we're just we're just kidding. We're, we we lied to you. We're not actually collapsing. Guys, write better, okay? Their role in FTX's fraudulent collapse, particularly given the fact that Silvergate turned to the Federal Home Loan Bank as its lender of last resort in 2022. The bank originally launched in 1988 but has become increasingly involved in the digital assets industry over time. In early 2022, it purchased assets from Meta related to its failed DM stablecoin project for $200 million. Silvergate said during its most recent earnings conference that it took a $196 million impairment charge on the intellectual property and technology that it had acquired a 98% loss. Wow. Citing the current crypto environment, Lane said it would be difficult to bring its planned stablecoin to market anytime soon. Quote, given the significant changes in the digital asset industry landscape, this charge reflects the company's belief that the launch of a blockchain-based payment solution by Silvergate is no longer imminent, Silvergate stated. Silvergate stock price toppled 9% Thursday before markets closed and fell a 2% further to $15.44 per share in after-hours trading. The price represented a 93% decrease from its all-time high of $222.13 set back in November of 2021. So yeah, this shit is just, it's falling apart. This is the second part of the hurricane. It is. It's the second part of the hurricane. But at least PayPal. No, no, not PayPal. We'll get to PayPal here in a sec. So here we go back and like, let's revisit the SEC. Uh, wait, hold on. Make, make sure that I'm not redoing this one. Uh, mm, we did do this one. Oh, sorry. Eh, okay. Now let's get into, I know I don't like them. Coindesk, but sometimes they have writers that posit some good ideas 
let's find out if there's anything in this one that's worth a damn about this whole Kraken SEC thing. This is an analysis by Jesse Hamilton from Coindesk. The latest action from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission against Kraken is probably the is probably only the first stirring of a U.S. government campaign campaign to come after or come for the major remaining crypto exchanges, according to industry lawyers, consultants, as well as former regulators. The San Francisco-based exchange inked a ground-shaking settlement with the SEC on Thursday, with Kraken agreeing to shutter its staking and pay $30 million in a fine. That enforcement action likely marks a beginning of similar cases putting big exchanges in the spotlight. The chairman of the SEC has made plain his intent to come for the cryptocurrency titans doing everything short of announcing a schedule of enforcement actions and his counterpart at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission is promising a big year. On the criminal side, the Department of Justice, the DOJ, is unlikely to let other companies skate away from behaviors that warranted criminal charges in previous cases. Quote, we're in the early days of some major upheaval, said Rick Mulvaney, a former acting White House chief of staff under former President Donald Trump, who is now advising a company in the digital assets sector. The industry is giving people that hate it a lot of ammunition. As Jarrett Seberg, an analyst and analyst with Cohen, put it, quote, we expect the SEC to rely on enforcement over the upcoming year to shape the crypto sector. We see the greatest threat to trading platforms, which we suspect the agency will contend are illegal exchanges, end quote. With the Kraken, Coinbase, and Binance headlines, the industry is bracing itself. When the Justice Department recently began preparing the ground for a major criminal announcement last month, crypto lobbyists and lawyers in Washington, D.C. thought prosecutors were going to announce a marquee name when it turned out to be little-known Hong Kong-based Bits Lotto, industry professionals breathed a sigh of relief. But the money laundering case did mention that leading crypto platform Binance was one of the company's major counterparties. Another of Bits Lotto's top counterparties, Local Bitcoins, announced that it would shut down this week. One observer noted that prosecutors are usually hesitant to name other companies in legal actions, but they did this time. Binance and its executives have reportedly been in the Justice Department's sites for potential criminal money laundering charges. But it may draw SEC attention as well, because when the U.S. regulator went after its rival, FTX, the SEC named that exchange's native token, FTT, a security potentially meaning Binance's BNB is similarly vulnerable. Most recently, Binance admitted that it accidentally kept some of its own funds in the same wallet as user assets, that's commingling, the kind of commingling that often draws severe sanctions for regulated companies, even if the company discloses the breach itself. The industry's high-profile lapses, overuse of customer money, has spurred a push to segregate crypto customers' money as one of the main drives for lawmakers seeking to set up regulatory fences around crypto. A lack of walls around investors' crypto assets also sparked one of several run-ins another prominent exchange Coinbase has been having with the SEC. The Coinbase statement created an uproar last year over how customer assets are maintained at the exchanges when the company disclosed investor money could be tied up in a hypothetical bankruptcy 
and it accused SEC guidance for forcing it to make the statement. The company has also reportedly been dealing with an SEC investigation into a number of its own business practices, including staking. As with Kraken, staking has been a significant service offered to Coinbase customers, though the company argued Thursday that Kraken was essentially offering a yield product while Coinbase isn't. Quote, Coinbase's staking services are fundamentally different and are not securities, said Paul Grewal, chief legal officer, trying to head off the perception that the SEC is signaling that these common crypto services could be targeted at other companies. But Coinbase's most important dispute with the United States securities regulator may be the impasse over registering as an exchange. SEC Chair Gary Gensler never tires of telling the crypto industry that its, its exchanges must come in and register because the vast majority of crypto tokens are indeed securities. And exchanges like Coinbase that list them are breaking said securities laws. Of course, those tokens are also unregistered, adding yet a whole other layer of friction with the agency. Coinbase has maintained that it would never allow securities on its platform, but the matter has been coming to a head. Last year, the SEC pursued an insider trading case against a former Coinbase manager and in its accusations identified nine tokens as securities, most of which traded at Coinbase. While the agency hasn't yet gone after Coinbase with a direct enforcement action, it's now on the record as flagging the trading of unregistered securities at the company and is on the hook for proving it in federal court. Spokespeople for the DOJ and the SEC declined to comment for this report. Representatives of Binance and Coinbase did not respond to requests for comment, and Kraken as well declined to comment, though it said of its settlement Thursday that it neither admitted nor denied the SEC's allegations. That's called no contest. If the government wages a legal war against the platforms for the way they do business, and not a reactive enforcement buzzsaw like the one that took down FTX, it could mark a crucial turn. Quote, The SEC has a number of options, and they're not going to be afraid to use them, said Mark Hayes, a senior policy analyst for Americans for Financial Reform, who supports the SEC putting tough limits on the industry. Quote, It seems quite possible that a major platform could be subject to some of those things in the near future. The sector is already already suffering through crypto winter and is reeling from a series of self-inflicted wounds that left it with a tattered reputation and a shortage of trusted institutions. While crypto purists take pride in the decentralization ethos they nurtured, the vast majority of people investing in digital assets prefer to hand over their assets to be handled by other people. A new cage match with regulators could entangle the dwindling number of options. Quote, for an industry that's already seeing a lot of capital flying away from it, that's bound to have a major impact, Hayes said. SEC Chief Gary Gensler has said the runaway, or sorry, has said that, quote, the runway is getting shorter for the industry to satisfy compliance requirements. And he warned in a CNBC interview on Friday after his agency moved against crack and staking that other platforms should take note of this and seek to come into compliance. At the CFTC chair, wait, wait, at the CFTC chair, Rostin Benham said last week that this will be a strong year of precedent-setting cases. 
There's a race being run between the executive branch of the United States government, the Treasury Department, financial regulators, and the DOJ, the federal lawmakers in the legislative. While Congress has the greater power to outline lasting rules for the industry, the likelihood that it'll come up with crypto legislation before regulators make their moves is dwindling. Quote, the risk is that Congress goes so slowly that the administration is able to do things that impact the basic fabric of the industry, said Mulvaney, who served in the House of Representatives and also ran a regulatory agency before now advising Swiss startup Astra Protocol. Quote, that is a valid concern, which is why those of us who are industry advocates hope that Congress moves quickly, end quote. Meanwhile, the inferno that is FTX and some of the other crypto misdeeds are confirming some of people's darkest concerns about crypto and blockchain, he said, which further hinders the legislative process. However, he said, it's not a capital offense for the industry and the current drama shouldn't be terminal because FTX was about people taking and misusing money, not failings in the technology itself. Blaming the individuals instead of the innovations is a mantra catching on with Republican lawmakers, including Representative Patrick McHenry, who is now chairman of the House Financial Services Committee that will have an instrumental role in crypto legislation this year. He's also building a case against Gensler as an instigator of the industry's missteps. Quote, Gary Gensler's regulation through enforcement isn't protecting consumers. Americans have lost billions of dollars in digital assets to bad actors on his watch, McHenry said as his committee got to work last week. Gensler has never backed down from his simple claim that most of the industry is running afoul of securities laws and most tokens meet the legal definitions of securities outlined in the so-called Howey test. The industry, in turn, has steadily maintained that he's asking them to sign up for a program that does not exist. Quote, the SEC has never said what a compliant crypto exchange would look like under a securities regulatory regime, said Tong V. Lee, who handles regulatory strategy at Bain Capital Crypto. Quote, there's just a lack of clarity here. Patrick Daughtery, a lawyer who once worked at the SEC but now represents crypto companies and exchanges, put it in more stark terms. Quote, there is no path available under current law for a crypto exchange to register with the SEC, he said, citing a registered exchange's requirements to maintain an audit trail, have only brokerages as members, and trade only securities and nothing else. Quote, there is no crypto exchange in existence that can comply. Daughtery, who works at Foley and Lardner in Chicago, said he doesn't necessarily recommend his clients voluntarily go in and talk with the regulator, as Gensler often suggests. He said the agency never says yes to anything, and it sometimes uses what it learns in enforcement actions. Well, duh. Quote, I don't think it's the staff. I think it's the chairman, Daughtery said. Quote, this is how Gensler chooses to do things. But some crypto companies are negotiating settlements with the SEC, as Kraken did with this week's action. That can be troubling too, said Lee, because the agency isn't writing crypto rules. It's steering the industry with its punishments. Such deals are worked out in private negotiations with the companies, even though the outcomes may be expected to set industry precedent. Quote, the reason the rulemaking process exists is so that these conversations are not all happening in back rooms somewhere, Lee said. Though she, uh, sorry, 
Though she said she can't picture what a settlement looks like that breaks through the impasse of crypto platforms registering as exchanges, she does hope something is being worked out. Unlike many in the industry, she has an optimistic take on Gensler, quote, I don't think he wants to kill the whole industry, she said. All right, so honestly, there's not a lot that I disagree with here. I mean, you might disagree with the underlying fact that, that regulation sucks, and I agree with you there, but if we're looking at it from a not being a fool standpoint, regulations do exist. Almost every cryptocurrency outside of Bitcoin that I see is a security. It, it passes the Howey test, which is basically bad news for that security because it indeed becomes a security. And those who sold it, those who created it, and those who are benefiting from it are in fucking trouble. It just is that way. Now, the last part of this whole thing is the one that, that I'm going to talk about right now. Um, how to put this? She's, the, Daughtery and Lee are basically making the argument that we're not, these regulatory bodies are not, in fact, making regulations. They are beating the living shit out of somebody into submission. And that somebody is the quote-unquote crypto industry centered around the crypto exchange. And that's a major on and off ramp. Remember, and, and I've said this on so many occasions, this is where they'll come to. They'll come to the on ramps and they'll go to the off ramps and they'll try to put blockades in, in place. If not, just line the whole goddamn overpass with dynamite and blow the living shit out of it, right? They're not actually regulating. They're simply punishing at this point because Congress is not really moving on anything. This is a very weird dynamic that we see, you know, not terribly often that Congress, if they don't do anything, then basically is giving carte blanche to the regulatory bodies that are in the space to do whatever the hell they want. I mean, you want to talk about the wild, wild west. The regulators are actually part of that wild, wild west. You know, they're the, they're the sheriff that actually, they got the badge, they got the gun, they got the, they got the ordinance, they got the marching orders, and yet they kind of don't mind shooting the bad guy through the kid that the bad guy is holding, <laughs> right? And that sheriff is not going to pay the penalty for shooting a kid just to get to the bad guy. I know that's a real rough analogy, but... If anybody thinks that Gary Gensler, the SEC, the CFTC, the DOJ are bridled by their affectations of the office of their job, you're wrong. They are acting in exactly the same way that the people that are thumbing their nose at the Howey test are acting. Everybody's in the Wild West. It's not just quote unquote crypto people. I don't know what else to say about it, so I'm going to move on. Uh, now, PayPal. Uh, PayPal held $604 million in Bitcoin and other crypto at the end of last year. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph. Global payment giant PayPal holds a significant part of its financial liabilities in cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin offered to its customers. As of December 31st, 
PayPal held a total of $604 million in various cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Shitcoin 1, Shitcoin 2, and Shitcoin 3, according to the annual report filed with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on February the 10th. That is today. Bitcoin has the largest share in PayPal's crypto assets, accounting for $291 million in the firm's asset breakdown, while $250 million is held in shitcoin number one. The remaining $63 million includes shitcoin two, shitcoin three. The amount of PayPal's crypto holdings accounts for 67% of the company's total financial liabilities, amounting to $902 million as of December the 31st. PayPal's total financial assets stood at more than $25 billion, according to the filing. Despite introducing cryptocurrencies onto its platform more than two years ago, PayPal did not include a similar breakdown of crypto holdings in its previous annual financial reporting. Quote, due to the unique risks associated with cryptocurrencies, including technological, legal, and regulatory risks, we recognize a crypto asset safeguarding liability to reflect our obligation to safeguard the crypto assets held for the benefit of our customers, PayPal wrote in a recent filing. PayPal stores customers' cryptocurrencies through a third-party custodian. The company noted in the filing, PayPal stressed that it is contract it contractually requires the custodian to segregate customer assets and not mix them with proprietary or other assets, adding, quote, we cannot be certain that these contractual obligations, even if duly observed by the custodian, will be effective in preventing such assets from being treated as part of a custodian's estate under bankruptcy or other insolvency laws, end quote. <sighs> yeah, that should send the hackles on the back of your neck flying away from you. Not only standing up, but just jumping off your neck and running the fuck away. As previously reported, PayPal debuted its hold and sell service for Bitcoin in the United States in November of 2020. The company has been doing its best to bring all possible blockchain and crypto integrations to its services, including central bank digital currencies, according to Vice President Richard Nash. Okay, let's read this, this paragraph again. One cannot be certain that these contractual obligations, even if duly observed by the custodian, will be effective in presenting such assets from being treated as part of the custodian's estate under bankruptcy or other insolvency laws. Ooh, if you're holding your Bitcoin in PayPal, get it off. Get, if you can, get it off, get it off, get it into your own custody, under your own private keys. I don't care how you do it. I do just care that it's as soon as humanly possible. That's just not good behavior. And honestly, the segregating customer assets and not mix them with proprietary or other assets actually had the flavor of, we're not sure if, we're not, if we could be commingling funds with our own business funds. And then they kind of outlined that and said, well, what we really mean is we can't be sure whether your funds, like if you've got Bitcoin on our account, if we go under or the custodian goes under, that it wouldn't be part of their bankruptcy claim. And then you wait in line against bigger fish so that they get paid first before you get paid yours. So what it sounds like to me is that if our custodian goes under your host, if we go under your host, but there's that line that says, 
PayPal stressed that it contractually requires the custodian to segregate customer assets and not mix them with proprietary or other assets. That sounds like the commingling that we've already seen in FTX and who was it? Uh, I can't remember, was it Coinbase? We just read about it. My God, I can't believe my, my brain. Not getting tickets for my daughter really threw me for a loop. Um, we read about it earlier in this show. It's, at, it's, it's before we you know, went through the market, uh, the market numbers. We, oh, Binance is Binance that said we, we accidentally commingled user funds and company funds. That's the flavor of this coming out of PayPal. Make your own decisions, but I guarantee you, you're going to sleep better if you have your Bitcoin under your own control. And here we go, Voyager. See, this is what I'm saying about bankruptcy and, and having to wait in line. Well, this is kind of the same thing. Voyager users will need a Binance US account to get their money back. Stacy Elliott, Decrypt.co, bankrupt crypto broker Voyager Digital, has submitted a plan for customers to recover their assets through Binance US, according to court filings. The early opt-in period sta uh, started last week, meaning that Voyager customers can begin sharing data to help Binance US create new or link existing accounts ahead of settling claims. Voyager and Binance US wrote in the filing that they expect the deal to close and payments to begin in March, but Binance US warned that customers in Hawaii, New York, Texas, and Vermont may have to wait up to six months longer because it can't create accounts for users in states where it's not allowed to operate. Quote, to the extent Binance US does not receive the required licensing or authorization uh, to operate in the unsupported states within six months from the closing of the asset purchase agreement, Voyager will convert the distributions allocable to such customers to cash and will distribute them separately. Kirkland and Ellis partner Joshua Sussberg wrote in a court filing. Honestly, guys, that's all you need to know about this shit. You got to wait in line because Voyager never had any kind of permissions to operate in these six states. Ah, if you didn't have your Bitcoin on Voyager, then you don't have to worry about it now, do you? Uh, let's get into this one. Wait a minute. Do we need to get into this one? Let's look at this one. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, let's look at this one. Let's do this one for the last. Now, admittedly, I'm nine days late on this. Okay, this was written on February the 1st. But in case we've already forgotten about it because our attention spans have been pounded into the pavement by mainstream media for decades, we may have just very well forgot that Lebanon devalued its currency by 90% and Snowden believes that Bitcoin fixes this. Crypto Potato, written by Mandy Williams. Lebanon is adopting a new official exchange rate, devaluing its local currency by 90%. <laughs> the new rate is set at 15,000 Lebanese pounds against a single US dollar, according to a January 31st report, which cited a statement from the country's central bank governor, Raiz Salmeh. I think is how you pronounce it. This marks a significant shift from the old rate of 1,507 Lebanese pounds per dollar. The official Lebanese currency has been pegged to the dollar at that rate since 1997. Are you shitting me? 
like 25 years, man. Jesus. Salma stated that commercial banks in Lebanon will see the part of their equity that is in the pound decrease once the new official exchange rate is implemented. He added that to cease the impact of the new development, the banks would be given five years to reconstitute the losses due to the devaluation. That's gonna be pretty. The Lebanese pound started to devalue in 2019 due to the country's year-long, years-long major economic crisis and the probability that its government will default on maturing national debt obligations. In a bid to tackle the country's paralyzing financial crisis, Lebanese banks restricted ordinary citizens from freely accessing their dollar savings, but the move worsened the situation. The decision, to devalue its currency is in line with the draft agreement reached with guess who? The International Monetary Fund last year that could enable the country to receive a bailout from the organization to tackle its financial crisis. However, the change is not expected to solve one of the most crucial aspects of the situation, limiting citizens from accessing their dollar savings. While the IMF has offered a bailout by forcing the Western Asian country into devaluing its official currency to solve its liquidity crisis, Bitcoin could have offered a better solution by providing some protection for currency devaluation and liquidity. This is what the popular whistleblower and BTC proponent Edward Snowden hinted at earlier. And they've got his tweet up here that he's flashing the news, the news story in a photograph. And he says, whispers bitcoin fixes this bitcoin has a limited supply of 21 million units blah 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 blah. yeah and then it just basically goes it just, like it's like two more sentences that describe bitcoin which is completely unnecessary for our purposes all right so you wake up one day minding your own business hell you haven't even turned on the news you know t- television's not on radio's not on you're not even looking at your your damn cell phone as a, as a lebanese citizen you drink coffee or tea or whatever the Lebanese do in the morning. And then finally, at one point or another, you hear that the money in your bank is worth only 10% of what it was before you went to sleep. I don't even know how you deal with that, honestly. There's something about that that is so sinister, so wrong, so evil. Because what is it that they did? They basically stole all the money from the Lebanese citizens to be able to pay back these bonds, essentially. They needed, they had like, you know, so much debt that they're like, this is sort of the way, one of the ways that international finance works. Um, You owe a hundred bucks, like I'm a country, like a Bennett stand or something like that. I'm Bennett stand, I owe the United States, I don't know, $100 $100 of my currency. So we'll call it, uh, I own 100 Bennett's. That's what I own. <clears throat> I don't have 100 Bennett's. <laughs> I kept borrowing money and spending it on stupid shit like lavish state parties or, I don't know, flying on, you know, Epstein's jet. Whatever. Whatever. I pissed the money away is essentially what I'm saying. Well, the bond comes up, the, the bond that I bought that allowed me to, you know, you know, essentially get 100 Bennett's. I got to pay back 100 Bennett's. I've got 10 Bennett's. That's all I've got. So what do I do? I devalue my currency 
until now I don't have 10 minutes. I've got a hundred minutes and I can pay that bond back. But when I devalued that money, I devalued every citizen of Bennettstan that depended on me to look after their well-being. Does that sound like somebody you want in a leadership position? No, of course not. But that's what's going on all over the world. You know, I, I still, you know, I'm not going to be able to make any decisions on President Naib Bukele as to the composition of his character and I may never be able to, you know, I mean, I don't know if he's a dictator. I, I just don't know. However, him thumbing the nose at the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank at least gives me pause to be able to sit back on my haunches and say, maybe he's not a complete dick. I don't know. I just don't. And I, I've never been to El Salvador. I don't know anything about Salvador and economies or, you know, let's local cultures. I don't know anything. So I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I do know that as I do know that, um, as president Bukele and the country that is El Salvador, when they plug in to the IMF and the world bank, that part I know a hell of a lot better about. And what I see naive doing is saying, I don't want your goddamn money. I don't want this shit because at one point or another, you're going to make it so bad for me that I'm going to have to devalue the currency of the country, which has been a dollarized country. So that kind of doesn't, doesn't really fly here, but let's say that they were still on the, you know, an El Salvador and peso or something like that. They would have to devalue it. And in fact, when they did have their own monetary currency, they did along with a whole shit ton of South American and generalized Central American countries over and over and over and over again. You know, we, we read these headlines like, Oh, Lebanon, you know, Lebanese people got their shit kicked out of them by 90%. And then we just get distracted by Chinese balloons and we forget that it even happened. And we've forgotten how many times this has happened. It we're talking hundreds of times in the last 50 years. I don't even want to think about how many times in the last 100. But if you don't think it can happen here in the United States, or if you don't think that it can happen to the European Union, or you don't think it could happen to Australia, you are fooling yourself. And you have only yourself to blame for believing that particular pile of crap because it's not true. It very well can happen. And it very well is a probability. Now, the Western countries right now basically rule the world, but we see all Western countries losing their shit. You know, I got, we've got all manner of weird things happening in the financial markets, but more importantly, in the cultural markets the cultural currency that we trade with each other. All of a sudden, I'm a white supremacist simply because I'm white. All of a sudden, I'm a racist simply because I'm white. All of a sudden, it's not mentioned that the black guy that got killed in what? Tennessee was killed by five fellow black men. They happen to be police officers. That's a cultural currency. And what I mean by that is that 
they always in the news fail to report that it's a black on black crime. And when they do that, because of the fact that in general, most of this shit has happened and been committed by white police officers, all they have to do is omit the fact that they're black and the assumption is what? White police officers. It's a generalized degradation of culture. Not, and I'm not talking white culture, I'm talking about American culture that includes black, brown, yellow, white, you name it. If they're green, I don't care. Red, fine. We're all in this little melting pot together. We all have this culture that's been bubbling for years. And a lot of it has been excellent culture. Excellent culture. And we're seeing it degraded before our eyes. Our ability to communicate with any other race has been severely degraded over the last three years. It's a cultural degradation. How many genders are there? What, you know, it, it's totally okay to, you know, to have children go to school and in kindergarten, instead of playing with blocks and learning motor skills, they're trying to be told that maybe they're not actually a boy or a girl. Yeah, gender dysphoria exists, but in kindergarten? I don't know, man. I'm seeing Western civilization fall at a pace that I never thought possible. And again, again, it's not just because of Bitcoin. Bitcoin plays into this when I say, the only thing that I really care about here is what happens in, in Central America, South America, Africa, Eastern Europe, the Balkans, the Baltics, and a few other scattered places. Because everything that's been Westernized to death is suffering the same disease. How it got injected, I don't know. I know one of the carriers is mainstream media, which is why I absolutely refuse to watch any of it or listen to any of it other than possibly NPR. And that's just so I can pick up enemy talking points. Oh, what are they going to be, you know, hammering on today? And it's like, it works like clockwork. I'm like, oh yeah, I got the script for the day. It's like NPR, National Public Radio in the United States. It's like it's a number station back in the Cold War era where it's like, you know, like on hand, you know, shortwave radio, you'd pick up a station and it would just be a person saying 15, 18, 265. Those were called number stations. And it was basically just code. Here's what, you, here's your marching orders for the, for the day. As to who was, get, you know, getting that and who was transmitting that, I don't know. There are several operations happening across the world at any given time by several different countries and they all need to communicate with their operatives out in the field. This shit is going on. It's been going on for decades and decades and decades, if not a couple of hundred years. How they number stations before radio, I don't know how they would do it. But be that as it may, it's been happening for hundreds of years. These people are evil and they don't like you. So don't like them back. And how are we liking them back? We're defending them. We're actually act people that I know will actively defend the actions of some of the most heinous people simply because they're part of the United States federal government and they can do no wrong. It's impossible. That's what they actually believe. And it's sad and it's dangerous and we need to get out of it. 
I don't know what else to tell you, but it is the end of the morning roundup. All right, dad says jokes. Let's end the week on a funny one. Today I learned you can use disposable masks to brew espresso. That's because they're coffee filters. Totally wrong, but kind of funny. Why is it wrong? You can't brew espresso through, through a coffee filter or a mask. Why? Because it takes steam. You have to have a pressurized environment for espresso to actually be espresso. But I'll, I'll leave it because otherwise it would have sounded like today I learned that you can use disposable masks to brew coffee. That's because they're coffee filters. So I get why the joke was adjusted to go to espresso, but honestly, it kind of doesn't work. But I'll laugh at anything at this point because the shit show is, I, I'm going to say it. I think it's actually just getting started. Culturally, crypt, cryptoly, bitcoinly, inscriptionly, the whole thing, regulatory, everything. The clown show, I, I think we were honestly, I think we were in the opening act. Be very careful. So the what I'll leave you with is things to think about possibly considering in the future. One, as always, buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin with your own private keys. Do not let a custodian have any part of it. Two, if you can, either move out of the cities altogether or move into a very small city. If you just can't be out by yourself because, I don't know, agoraphobia or whatever, where you're scared of the open spaces, then move to a place that's got like less than 50,000 people in it. That'll be better, still won't solve your problems because you'll get used to the grocery store. My actual advice is to move not out in the middle of nowhere. Be somewhere where you can drive, I don't know, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes and be inside of a smaller city, right? If a large city, don't do that shit. 15 minutes outside of, you know, Dallas, Next thing you know, you could literally have an entire suburb built up around you and and then you lose because they always expand their city limits. I saw that shit happen in Lubbock. They keep expanding to the Southwest. So people that thought they were going to be out there and, and be, you know, not have to deal with neighbors and shit, all of a sudden they've got thousands of neighbors because they just kept building and building and building and annexing and annexing. And when a city annexes your ass on your property that you were just paying county property taxes for, now all of a sudden you're on the hook for paying city services, whether or not you use them. So be careful about that. When you're looking for a place that's outside of a city, you need to look for the word unincorporated land. Unincorporated land. Why unincorporated? Because a city is a corporation. Legally defined, it's a corporation. If you get annexed, you become part, your land becomes part of the corporation. And then you have to service said corporation that you are part of because you're part of the corpus, the body. See how that works? Get, look for land 
and a house that's in unincorporated parts that are close to a small city. Look to see the history of that city and what, what direction it's growing. Are, are, is the house that you want to purchase in the path of its historical growth? Then don't buy there. Go somewhere else because the momentum, once it builds up, it's hard to shift, right? So the, the like Lubbock, been building Southwest forever. They're never, they've never built Northeast. They've never built Northwest and they've never built Southeast. They just keep going to the Southwest. I don't know why, but that's been going on for decades. So if you think that they're going to stop building to the Southwest in Lubbock and you buy your house just on the fringes of that, where it's, you know, unincorporated, yet you're like a stone's throw away from the corporate uh, boundaries, you're going to get annexed. Don't do that because at that point you're under city ordinances. So if you had chickens, all of a sudden you might find yourself not able to have chickens. And with eggs at the price that they are right now, you're going to want chickens. Have a good weekend. Pura Vida. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.